there. Boy, if that song don't pump your chili, I don't know what will. There's going to be a day, the Bible tells us, Revelation 21, 4, and he'll wipe away every tear from every eye. There'll be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. For all the former things have all washed away. What a great picture of heaven. I hope you got a hold of that. That just, I'm, I'm pumped. Brian, lead us, please, buddy. In Christ, in Christ, Father. Thank you, Lord, for the promise, the blessed hope, one day we're going to be with you forever and ever Amen. as we believe in your finished work that yep. you accomplished here on earth. And I thank you for that promise, Father, that's in your son. You spared night. So, Lord, I thank you, Lord. We, we let it, let God go. We let him preach the word through the power of your spirit, Father God. Hallelujah. Amen. We thank you, Lord, for signs and wonders as you confirm your word. As, you, as we hear it today, Father, I ask for he, uh, hearing hearts and uh, uh, ears that will hear. And, Lord, be encouraged, encouraged and strengthened yep. by your presence. Your presence, Father, is a fullness of joy. In Jesus' name, we thank you for hiding Don behind the cross in the power of your blood, Jesus, and the Spirit to teach. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. As we continue our series on heaven. We're going to look at what the Bible tells us about heaven today. Not Don's opinion, not your opinion, what the Bible's opinion is about that. 1952, Florence Chadwick decides that she wants to swim from the Catalina Island to the shores of California. She had already swum the the English Channel, and she thought this would be something that I want to do. Catalina to California. She got in the the water that one day and and the weather was absolutely awful. Uh, The weather was really chilly. Fog had come in over California. Uh, She could barely see in front of herself and, and she decides that she wants to go for her goal to swim that far. She had a couple of lifeboats with her, and and her mom was in one of the lifeboats. So she gets in the water, and she takes off, and she swims for 15 hours. 15 hours, that's not 15 minutes, 15 hours. And as she's swimming, she's trying to see the shore, but because of the fog, she can't see it. After about 15 hours, she's had enough, and she asks her mom, who's in the lifeboat beside her, I'm done. I'm done. I am physically, emotionally done. I am just absolutely exhausted. I can't go any further. And like all moms would do, you can go a little further. Keep going. You're almost there, she was told. You can just go just a little bit further. Mom couldn't see the shore either. But she had a sense that the shore was getting close. After a few more minutes of pep talk, Florence says, I can't go anymore. I'm completely exhausted. So they pull her out of the chilly water and put her in the boat. And, and, and within just a few minutes, she found out that she was only a half mile from the shore. The next day at the interview that they were talking, and she, she makes this statement, if I'd only known, if I'd only known how close I was to the shore, I would have kept going. 
I hope the message will talk to you today about that. See, she couldn't see the shore. She couldn't see the gold. And sometimes as Christians and as people, we can't see it either. We get bogged down with family. We get bogged down with friends. We get bogged down with work and hobbies and stresses and sickness. And sometimes in our lives, the fog of life just kind of takes over and we really can't see the shore. And that shore is heaven. That shore is being in the very presence of Jesus, the one who died for us, so that we have an opportunity to get there. It's easy to be in the fog and not be able to see. It's easy to keep our eyes on the temporal things of this old world, the struggles of this old world, and we forget what lies ahead of us as Christians. We forget to see the shore, or maybe we can't even see it because the fog of sickness has blinded us from being able to see it. I hope today's message will encourage you to remember there is the shore out there. I hope today's message will remind you that heaven awaits for all of those who have trusted in a holy God and have put their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's what we need to remember. Not the struggles of this life so much, but that He has created a home for us, a home for eternity, that we will be able to live in the very presence of holy God. What does the Bible say about heaven? That's where we want to go today. What does the Bible say about heaven? I've got a few things that the Bible says. I just want to remind you uh, that it, that uh, what the Bible says, and that's where we're going to go today. So we'll have many verses that we'll be looking up. But the first thing I want to remind you is heaven, heaven is a real place. Heaven is a real place. It's not some state of mind that some people will say. Some people say it's not a cosmic realm out there. It's not a place of rest or peace. It's not rest in peace. It is a real and vibrant place. John 14, one, uh, beginning in verse 2, in verse 3, Jesus is telling him, I, I keep coming back to this verse. We, we use this verse a bunch, don't we? But I think it's good stuff. Heaven is a real place. Well, let's see what, what Jesus has to say about heaven in this real place. In verse 2, it says this. He said, in my Father's house, that is a place. There are many dwelling places, that's a place. Dwelling places, mansions, uh, houses, however you want to phrase this. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there, you will be also. He's talking quite a bit about a few places, isn't he? He says, God the Father is in heaven. He said, I got a place for you. There's many mansions. It's a picture. I read one commentary that said that it gives us a picture of, 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 uh, a father who has who has a house, and his kids have grown and they and they've gotten married and they've come back to live with the father, and it's a picture of the father's house and how he builds 
another room or another dwelling place for each one of his sons that come back so that they will be living with him. They found a diff- another room for him. And, and, one, and the commentary said that is a picture of what heaven will be. Father, Father God has this huge mansion, and, and when we kind of get there, if you will, he's going to add on a place for us to dwell in. Heaven is a real place. We will find out that heaven, when we talk about it even more, that when you get to heaven, you will be you. Did you know that? You will be you. Your Christian friends and your Christian believers and family members, they will know you when you get there. You will understand who Peter and Paul is. You'll understand and rub shoulders with King David. You'll understand of all, of all the great prophets. You'll be there with them and you will be, be a, a person that has at first a glorified body, a perfect body where you don't need any wheelchairs and no crutches and no, none of that kind of stuff. You'll have perfect eyesight, perfect hearing, perfect memory, all because he wants to reward us with that. You see, heaven, I promise you, is a real place. It's not a cosmic realm of the dead. It is real. And believers will all be there. The second thing I want to point out to you real quickly, and probably the most important thing that you can ever remember about heaven, is that God the Father is there. Matthew 6, 9 says this, Our Father who is in heaven, God is in heaven. And who sits at the right hand of the Father? Jesus Christ. Romans eight thirty four. Christ who has died, yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. In Acts 7, 36, Acts 7, 56, excuse me. We see the, uh, the deacon, Stephen. And we hear about Stephen and we read about Stephen and, and, and uh, what he was doing. And, and Stephen, they, they, have, uh, they have basically put him in jail. He had been proclaiming the gospel. He had been telling the world about what, what, what Christ was going to do. And they didn't like to hear it. And you know the story of Stephen in Acts 7. And you know what happened to him. They, they gathered him up and took him up on a hill and they began to stone him. We can't be having that kind of conversation. You can't be preaching that hate speech of the gospel. It's kind of like in Minnesota the other day when the guy was, was wearing the shirt, Jesus saves. And he was in the mall. And they arrested him and told him he had to leave the mall because Jesus saves is an offensive speech. You see, we're, we're living in the same kind of times that Stephen was living in. People don't want to hear the gospel. So they're mad at Stephen. So they, what they do, they take him out and they stone him to death. And right before he is stoned to death in verse 56, he says this, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. God gave him a vision before he took his last breath here. And before he took his first breath there, and he says, I see, I see my Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. That's where he is. Jesus at the right hand of the Father. And I believe that's the only place in the Bible where it says Jesus is standing. Was he giving Stephen a standing ovation? Because he was the first one, the first martyr of the disciples to give his life for the Lord. Don't know. Highly possible. You see, Jesus and God are in heaven. 
Why is that such a big deal? Because when we think of heaven, we all want to think about streets of gold, the awesomeness and the glory and, and how great everything is going to be in heaven. But the very best thing of heaven is we are going to be in the very presence of holy God. The very presence of holy God. We will be able to see the glory of Jesus as he walks the streets of heaven. And you and I will be walking the streets of heaven and we'll be able to brush our shoulders with Jesus. You see, he is the reason that we'll be there. Not because of our goodness, not because of who we are, not how much we give to the church. It's because of his amazing grace that saved you and I, a wretch saved because of our sin. The best thing about heaven, I promise you, will not be being seeing our relatives or our friends. It will be seeing mighty, almighty Jesus in his glory. The one who died for you. The one who took the beatings for you. The one who took the nails for you. The crown of thorns for you. And because of him, without him doing that, we, we would have no hope. I promise you, when you get to heaven, your first place you will go, it won't to go see mom and dad, brother or sister. You will bow before the Father. You will bow before Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for doing what you've done for me. That is more better than streets of gold, (laughs) mansions on high, just to be in his very presence. Third thing I want you to see about heaven is our names are recorded in heaven. Did you know that? If you've been born again. In Luke 10, Jesus tells this story. And he's telling this story and he has sent out this 72 of his followers. And the Bible says they went around the countryside and they were empowered to heal the sick. Can you imagine? To heal the sick? To give sight to the blind? Open the ears of the deaf? To help the crippled to walk again? They had that much power that Jesus had given to them. Can you imagine the excitement? Oh my goodness. And they come back to Jesus and they're so excited and they go, Jesus, Jesus, even the demons, we could cast out demons from people. And they were so excited of of all the great things that they were doing for the Lord. So excited. And in verse 20 of that chapter 10, Jesus says, well, that's nice, boys. That's that's good. Y'all done good. Uh Uh-huh. But he says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. But he says, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. All these great things that we can do. But the bottom line is, is your name written in heaven? Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? That is bottom line. It has to be there or you're not going to get in. I know when Gene and I were, were running half marathons. And if you sign, you sign up for a half marathon, you got to you know, sign out the information and Put, put all your, your date of birth. and so, It's so irritating. She kept asking me how old I was. Don't worry about it, okay? But you put this information in there. You send them the money. 
And when they get the money, they put your name on a list, on a registry. And when you get to the race, you go in there and go to the registrar's office and say, hey, I'm here, Don Lacey's here. Um, and they will look down this list and they go, yeah, there you are, right there. Gina, yeah, there you are. And at that point, they would give you a packet of, of stuff, some, some nice things. And then they give you a little bib that, that fits on there and it has your race number on it. And they will tell you to make sure you, you wear that race number during the race because that gives you permission in order to participate in the race. And, of course, that's what we did. And I got to thinking about that. You know, that's the same way in heaven. Did you know that? That's the same way in heaven. You have to, in essence, register your name in heaven. You have to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior before you can get there. And when you do, your name goes into a list, if you would. And the list is called the Book of Life, the Lamb's Book of Life. And when your time on this earth is over and the Lord is, is, is scrolling through the book of life and he sees your name there, come on in. Here's your bib. You can participate for an eternity. But if your name is not on that list of the Lamb's book of life, if they look through there and they don't find your name, you don't get to participate. You don't get to enter into holy heaven. You don't get to be a part of that. Because you didn't make reservations here on this earth. You didn't send in the application. You didn't send in your money if you would. You haven't made Christ as your Lord and Savior. And he'll say what? Depart from me. I never knew you. How important is it to have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? It is worth everything. Because the Bible tells us if it's not written in there. If you're not listed in the Lamb's Book of Life, Revelation 2015 says this. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody going to want that. You see, you got you, you to get your name on the list. And every born-again believer's name is in the list called the Lamb's Book of Life. Another beautiful thing about heaven People from all over this world will be there. Isn't that cool? People that don't look like you, don't talk like you, have different eyes like you, have different color skin like you, and, and speak a language that sounds like gibberish to you. God says, I welcome them all. It shows your heart of Jesus. It shows the heart of our Lord. It shows his graciousness. It shows his amazing grace. Revelation 5.9 just proves that. Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. For you were slain, talking about Jesus, and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. People from all over this world will be in heaven. I know every time we leave Zimbabwe, they always tell you, see you soon. But if not, I'll see you in heaven. See, we are called, are we not, to love other people. We are to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And the second part of that is what? We are to love other people. All kinds of other people. All kinds of different looking other people. 
And why is that? I got to think about it. Why is that? I mean, obviously, the, 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 the show the love of God, yeah. But we're going to live with those folks forever and forever. We're going to be in heaven with them forever and forever and forever. And we have one thing in common. If that's the only thing we've got in common, it's one thing. It's that we both believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. People from all over this world is going to be there. Heaven is going to be a really cool place. Did you know we have an inheritance in heaven? The Bible tells us. First Peter 1. It says, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable. Which means it's never going away. It's good for all time, our inheritance. It is undefiled, it says. There's not going to be any evil in our inheritance. It will never fade away. The sun, S-U-N, will never fade it. It never loses its glory, never loses its power, its luster. And it's reserved for you and I in heaven. It's kind of like uh, we've, got, we've got our seat there, don't we? Some of us have our assigned seats in church. We get that, okay? You've got that suit. You've got that pew right there. I get it, okay? It's reserved for you. And guess what? It is protected by the power of God. Your inheritance is protected by the power of God. Ain't nobody going to scratch that away. Nobody can snatch that away. It's kind of like if you have a, a father. And just imagine this, if you will. And your dad is a billionaire. And you're the only child. <laughs> you're the only one. And he's going to leave all those billions to you. I mean, how exciting would that be? I mean, I, I might get up there and dance and maybe, maybe even sing if I, I mean, so excited about that. I mean, that, I got a billion dollars waiting on me. Exciting stuff. And that's exactly what this verse is telling us. Holy, mighty God has left us an, an inheritance. And that inheritance that he's left us is worth more than a billion dollars. You can't even put a price tag on that salvation, that inheritance that we're going to have one of these days. Money comes and goes. But our inheritance in heaven will last forever. Protected by the power of God. And it is worth more than billions and billions and billions of dollars. I don't know about you, but that's kind of exciting. That that's what holy God is leaving for us. What a beautiful inheritance our citizenship is there in heaven Philippians 3.20 for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly await for the Savior the Lord Jesus Christ as Christians are this is not our home did you know that we're passing through and boy I'm so glad I'm so glad that we're not citizens here we are citizens up there you know it's kind of like the Bible tells us we're ambassadors. An ambassador is a citizen of one country who lives in another country. Well, that's us. We're ambassadors, he says. We are citizens of heaven who live down here. 
And why do we get so wrapped up in the temporal things of this old world and worry so much of the temporal things of this world when in reality we're just passing through this old earth, passing through to our home in heaven where our citizenship really is. I would encourage you not to be too attached to the things of this world. They are passing on. But when we get to heaven, it's not going to be passing on, is it? We are citizens of holy heaven. A couple more and I'll be through. We have specific rewards, the Bible says, that we'll have in heaven. Specific rewards according to how, as Christians, how we have lived. Kind of interesting, I think. You mean we can really strive to be rewarded for our life down here? Yeah. Hebrews 6.10 says this, For God is not, a, not unjust so as to forget the works and the love that we have shown to His name in having ministered and still ministering to the saints. Isn't that pretty cool? Did you know that, that He is up there probably with these angels, writing down all those things, all those good things that you do in the name of the Lord. All those things that you have done, whether or not, say, you're teaching a Sunday school class, you're preaching up here, you're singing, you're, you're helping somebody, you're going to visit somebody. What, it doesn't make any difference. All those things that you have done in the name of the Lord, the Bible says you will receive a reward for that. And He's not going to forget the things that you did. It could be as easy as speaking to somebody that came in the door. Whatever you did in the, in the name of the Lord and the power of the Lord, there is a reward for that. He gives us five rewards. We're not going to go over those, but I'll just list those to you real quickly. The imperishable crown, which is those who endure to the end. The crown of rejoicing, the crown of righteousness, the crown of glory, the crown of life will be given to those all who love the Lord. What's your motivation to do what you do? What's my motivation to preach? What's your motivation to do what you do? Do you do it in the power of the Lord? Or do you do it in your own strength? Do you do it for your own glory? Hope not. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3 says this. And it's talking about the great judgment seat of Christ. Where one of these days as Christians our works will be judged. Our sins will not be judged. That's what's taken care of on the cross. But our works will be judged. So those things that we do in, in the Lord's name. says this. Every man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. You literally will. Your works will come up on the screen if you would. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on remains. He will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. The things that you do in the name of the Lord, the things you do for his glory and not your glory, the things you do in his power and not your own power. The Bible says one day, judgment seat of Christ, those things will all be put in the furnace. And those things that you have done for the Lord will come out and you'll be rewarded for that. 
Those things you did in your own strength, your own power, your own ability, your own smartness. The Bible says all that's going to be burned up. What a sad commentary for people who have worked all their lives for the Lord, but they've worked all their lives for themselves in hoping that somebody would give them a pat on the back, a heads up, a thank you, a, a good job, buddy. And they received all the glory instead of Christ getting all the glory. And the Bible says those kind of works will be burned up. You'll be saved, but your reward will be very limited. Who would not want to receive crowns of life from the Lord? Who would not want to receive that? I mean, that's going to be pretty cool. And you get this crown. I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe you're going to have five heads. I don't know what you do. You put a crown on and I don't know. But I can promise you, you'll get these five crowns and you won't be strolling around heaven thinking you're somebody. Thinking I'm pretty cool. I've got five and you've only got one. I must have been a better guy than you. Not going to happen that way. You see, the Bible tells us in Revelation 10 that when we receive our crowns, we will place them at the throne of God. We will just take them off and say, here you, here you go. You deserve this, not me. Here you go, Jesus. Thank you for all you did on this earth. Here you go, Jesus. Thank you for suffering and dying on the cross. Here you go, God. Thank you for raising him from the dead. Here you go. I want to reward you back for what you've done for me. You're going to give your crowns back. Because, see, there's no pride in heaven. <laughs> Only glory and honor. You'll give that crown back. What a great thing. Better to give than receive, I think, isn't it? Somebody said that one time. I think that's not new. Last thing I want to tell you real quick, and I'll be done. Just like that last song said, no more sin, no more death, no more sorrow. Revelation 21, 4. Just think about that. Just think about that. You know, more tears, no more crying in heaven. No more death. You never have to deal with a loss of a loved one, loss of a child. You won't ever have to go to cemetery. You won't ever have to go to a funeral home. There will be no longer any sting of death. No longer any sting of death in heaven. He's going to wipe those tears from your eyes. There's not going to be any death. Can you imagine no more pain? No, no more ibuprofen? Won't need ibuprofen or Advil. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. We'll need any of that. No more sorrow, no more crying. No more sadness. Because, you see, there's no more sin. There's no more sin that we have to deal with. No more temptation. No more, come on, let's do this. What a beautiful thing heaven's going to be. Heaven's going to be such perfection, is it not? And I hope, I hope and pray that you're looking forward to that. Heaven, yeah, is a real place. It's a real place where God the Father resides and His Son sits at the right hand of Him. It's a place where our names are written in heaven. People from all over this world are going to be there. 
we have that great inheritance awaiting us because our citizenship is not here, but it's there. We'll be given rewards that we'll give back to him. And what a beautiful thing, knowing that there's no more pain and sorrow and crying or death, that we can live in perfection forever and forever. How do we get to go to heaven? Everybody's not going. Jesus said you must repent of your sin. That's Jesus speaking. You must repent of your sin. You must make Jesus the Lord of your life. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what? You shall be saved. Christ is saying, man, if you've never accepted this, if, you're, if your home is not in heaven, but your home is just a hope, that you're hoping to get there, that maybe, and I hear people say that all the time, well, I hope I'm good enough to get there. Well, you're not going to be. <laughs> you can't be good enough. It's through the grace of Jesus that he extends to us the opportunity to live forever in a home in heaven. Who would not want to live in heaven? I, I don't know. John 14, 6, and I'll be, I'll be closing. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You see, Jesus is the only way. There needs to be a time in your life that you said, Father, I surrender my life to you. I repent of my sin. I repent of my sin, and Father, I want you to come into my life right now. And I want to make you Lord and Savior of my life. I mean, if you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not going to make it. Revelation 20.15 applies to you. I hate to tell you that, but it does. Man, I hope, I hope you're looking towards heaven. I hope the fog of this life doesn't blind you from that shoreline of heaven. I hope that you're looking forward to being in the very presence of holy God and rubbing shoulders with His Son one day in heaven. Make sure you've made arrangements Make sure you've sent your reservation in. Make sure you've, you've done everything you can. So when the time comes and he looks at the list, well done, good and faithful servant. It's what I want everyone in this room to be able to hear when their time is up. As we begin our invitation time, I don't know how God has spoken to you, but I know that, that he said, I've got this for you if you've been born again. I've got this waiting for you. I've got this huge inheritance. And it's going to be better than you can imagine. It's going to be so good that no eye has seen, ear heard, or heart of man can imagine just how great it really is.